Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody, welcome. Hey, look, we've got a great two hours for all of you. The first is we are doing like a whole range of shows on the coronavirus and on COVID-19. And we're bringing to you people that are going to be sharing information. So today it's a two for Benny uh, and Olivia. The first part of the show is with Corey Stern. He'll be joining us. And then the second part, we're bringing Jonathan Bell back. Uh, Jonathan Bell is an attorney out of New York um, who came on the show the other day. And he was not kidding when he said to me that he is providing free services. And thanks to him helping me, I made a gigantic discover, discovery in era, in era of my thinking and what I thought was going to happen. And later on, you're going to hear about that. But today, we're going to be tackling aspects of COVID-19. And I'm hoping also uh, we can get Gina back at some point, Gina Rivera, because um, we are in a place, Benny, right now, where Olivia, Benny, where in the history of the country, the country that I live in, the United States of America, in contrast to our buddies across the, uh, what do you call that? We can't call them across the pond, uh, across the border in Canada. We are just learning about, for those of us in business, and so many of you listening are entrepreneurs self-employed. So today, we're going to give you some information you may not know about, because we've had to back up in the way we're approaching this with our staff. And we've had to back up and change the way that I thought I was approaching this for my business because every day you learn something new. And I think I must have missed a couple of memos along the way. Uh, and what I mean by a couple of memos, I think I missed, so I think I must have missed the memo that came out about what PPP was. Um, but more importantly, what we're discovering is we're discovering human nature, human nature. And I'm really struck by imagining what we're capable of during something like this. So I want to go back for a little bit and I want to talk about um, what this was like for me to go back before Dr. Pat, 
you know, when I wore shoulder pads. Benny, you remember the shoulder pad thing? I do remember. Like, uh, remember no, specifically, I remember my sister did. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what was massive. that movie, Working Girl? Is that uh, what it's called? Yeah, Working and girl? also 9 to 5, too. That's 9 to 5, one. Working Girl, the big shoulders, right? And uh, one of my favorites, oh, my gosh, right? George Michael. George, oh, my God. Like, I, I still, uh, I go out of my mind thinking about his music. So when you talk to me about the 80s, that's what I, I think about him. You know, Wham and him. And somebody said Breakfast Club. And I don't know why Breakfast Club I think about like even before that, but here's what I do remember. Being on uh, the New York area. I remember watching my friends die from a disease that folks didn't even know was a disease. And I remember this almost like, I mean, it's, it's shocking. I remember this like it's yesterday. Like I had a moment of PTSD, you know, thinking about my uh, hair designer, right. You know, who had done my hair for a really, really long time. Um, uh, uh, but, uh, but uh, yeah, Olivia, bring him in. Uh, let's bring in Corey. Um, but what I think about, I'm thinking about this day and age that we went through. I'm also thinking about the courage that all of us experienced as we fought for our brothers and brothers and sisters and fr friends and family of a disease that we knew very little about. I went through this again in 2004 here in the state of Washington with a disease that still to this day is not recognized by the world. And that is Lyme disease and Lyme disease co-infections. And if you really wanna hear about a disease that's at epidemic proportions, which nobody is talking about, we'll do another show on that. But if we're talking about where we are today and we're talking about COVID-19, and we're talking about what do I believe? What don't I believe? We want to talk to Corey. He's joining us for the first half hour of the show. And here's the question. Can you be sued for infecting someone with the coronavirus? Now, we're going to break this down. But the reason we're going to break this down is because this has so many tentacles that are related to so many other diseases that can be transmitted. But the question is, what conditions if you are under quarantine or your state has given you a shelter in place, but you don't? Corey, it's great to have you. Welcome. I appreciate the fact that you're still doing this in such a difficult time. Thank you. I got to tell you, you know, for people like me, uh, Jonathan Bell is going to be popping in in the next half hour because here's what we found out this morning. And this is why having a conversation with you is so important. What we basically found out this morning, what Gina Rivera tried to point out the other day was that any of us that are contract or employ contract people, we are the lost sheep 
of this. Found out this morning that if you are a company and you employ contract people, you will not get PPP for them. That every contract person must file for their own PPP, file for their own unemployment. And, I, and you know, here we are today with that level of stress. Now compound that with what you're seeing, right? And we now have a scenario that I think is unlike almost anything other. I went through the AIDS epidemic, which is still an epidemic. How do you classify what you're seeing? Because boy, you are right in the middle of it, aren't you? Uh, yes, ma'am. And you know, I'm I'm old enough where uh, when the AIDS epidemic took place, I was I was young, but I have vivid memories of it. And I have very vivid memories of post 9-11, um, which are, you know, both comparisons that people have made, you know, before I just did. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this this thing is the great equalizer. It's affecting people regardless of age and gender and color and geography and um, socioeconomic yeah. position. And, you know, children are having conversations now with their parents about things that most of us probably never <sighs> expected to have with our kids. And, you know, fifth graders don't get to do their elementary graduation and high school seniors don't have a prom. And those things pale in comparison to people who have loved ones that are on ventilators for days or weeks and who ultimately die. And so, this has sort of been the, the, the microscope on our society and showing us things about ourselves, not just as a legal community or as a, you know, as a society, but, you know, globally, just, just mm -hmm. how are we functioning and how do we re relate to each other? And, you know, how do you show love and how do you show patience in times of crises like this that have no real end in sight? You know, boy, you just nailed it. You just nailed it. And, you know, the reason I wanted you on here, and we're doing shorter segments so that we can bring you back, Corey. We plan to do entire full channel series of segments. Because when I first started out with this, Corey, and I said, we're going to have our own segment and channel, I had no idea. I had no idea what needed to be talked about. I want to ask you this question. Given where you sit today, what is at the top of your list that concerns you most? So, you know, that there's a multifaceted answer to a really great question. I mean, first and foremost, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a friend, I'm a child. I'm also a lawyer and I have clients that I represent. And so my concerns are different in each of those areas. As a lawyer, I'm most concerned that most of the people who I represent are victims of sexual abuse or children who are brain damaged from lead poisoning. And it's not, it's not, uh, justice for them is not gratuitous. It's, it's, it's a matter of their ability to, you know, heal and feed themselves and find economic function in a space where they've sometimes been unable to function economically. And so how do we utilize this time where courts are either closed or slowing or slowed down? How do we productively utilize this time to still advocate for them when that advocacy isn't necessarily being heard by people who need to hear it because the crisis 
is so much larger than any one individual's potential lawsuit or claim. You know, as a as a parent, I want my kids to not feel my fear, but I want them to understand that it exists in a way that's healthy. And I try, my wife and I try to talk to our children about, you know, those those clients of mine that I just mentioned and what they're experiencing through this and how everyone's life is so different but affected in a really meaningful way by what's happening. And I also try to give a little bit of hope to my kids where, you know, we live in a, in a world where the environment is a big issue and um, our carbon footprint matters. And at least what the science says is that we're doing things that are really harmful to our environment. And I look at the last month, the last five, six weeks, and I think of what a wonderful moment it has been for the environment because we've pretty much shut down in ways we've yeah. never have before. And so the air is cleaner and people yeah. are breathing better. And, and, you know, the, and there's also, you know, the fear that when we go back to some sense of normal, some of the wonderful things that have come out of this, like family dinners and telling people you love them more and really taking stock in what's important versus what you thought was important. I don't want to see those things go away. You asked earlier, you know, about, you mentioned the AIDS epidemic and I mentioned yeah. 9-11. It's amazing how much has changed, but at the same time, how things have gone back in many ways to pre-9-11. You know, people are not on a daily basis as conscious of, you know, terrorism and, and domestic terrorism. And, you know, I very rarely think when I get on an airplane or walk through an airport about 9-11, but for years after it actually happened, it was it was always at the front of my mind. And so as a lawyer, as a dad, as a husband, you know, as a human being, I want to acknowledge what's happening and 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 allow it to bring some good mm -hmm. to my life and to the lives of the people that I love. But that's a really um, aspirational statement and yeah. it's not as easy every day when you watch the news and you have family that's sick and it's, you know, it's, it's not as easy as I just made it sound. Well, look, I, I know this is a short interview and you will be coming back, but I want to talk about something that is really near and dear to my heart in a lot of ways. I saw this happen in the AIDS epidemic. Then I saw it with Lyme disease and that is, you know, how we conduct each other how we conduct ourselves with each other. If you know you have a disease, for example, that can be contracted by another person and you are not mindful of that and pass that disease on, we have seen time over time really implications for what rights an individual has. And I know you've been first chair in some of the most important cases for children in lead poisoning and so is your firm. But are we in the state now where people that are not paying attention to what they're being asked to do could in fact be liable for injuries that may happen to another? So the easy answer is yes, people yeah. can be liable. Yeah, that I is mean, the easy you answer. Know, whether, you know, whether, whether attorneys actually pursue cases like that, I mean, I guess it depends on who the who the person is that's that's not being mindful you know if a, if a tree falls on a car and destroys the car and everybody that's in the car becomes paralyzed you might have a great potential lawsuit against the tree but a tree doesn't have insurance and a tree doesn't have money and lawsuits that are based on principle rather than you know some economic benefit to the harmed 
they aren't really lawsuits that most lawyers w- would typically right. take. So I think more 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 likely what I think we will start seeing is in the criminal context. You know, anybody that would would have in the in the 80s gone out and known they were HIV positive or or had full blown AIDS and had infected someone purposefully, I mean, they could have and in some instances were charged with crimes. Yep. And I think that, you know, I was I was on a subway in Manhattan in maybe early March and or mid March when sort of the coronavirus yeah. began having some some legs and I coughed. I remember having a yeah. little bit of a cough. And there was a woman across from me who looked at me as if I was her fear. And my first reaction was, what the heck? You know, I'm healthy. Why are you looking at me like that? I didn't say that. But as I thought about it, I thought to myself, my God, if I'm if I'm coughing, I probably shouldn't be on the subway. Like what, you know, I, I mean, and so I, I think that the legal system provides both the civil remedy in, a, in the situation that you described where someone infects someone either intentionally or negligently, the criminal codes that we have across this country and in each state provide for criminal liability for potentially infecting people. But I think like every other type of case that I handle, whether it's a kid who was brain damaged because their landlord didn't properly abate a premises or a child who was sexually abused because a school didn't properly train or or vet their teachers. And so the kid was sexually abused. You know, we have a personal responsibility to each other. And, you know, people shouldn't always have to rely on the law to protect them. I knew better in that moment that if I was going to cough for another day or for another hour, for another minute, even if I knew I wasn't sick, that even for that poor woman's state of mind, knowing that she was a little older and maybe more susceptible to COVID, you know, I have a responsibility to my neighbors, to my friends, to strangers to, to do my part to make sure they don't get sick. So I think there will be civil cases that are filed. You know, I think there will be criminal cases that 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 come to light um, as a result of this. But I hope there aren't. You know, I hope that we all just do the right thing and, and do our best to care for each other. Well, you know, it's interesting we're talking about this because, you know, I, I'm going to have Jonathan Bell on. He's in a, uh, well, gosh, I don't like to classify uh, you folks that are out there uh, representing people, you know, as attorneys, but, you know, his area is, uh, employment, right. Labor law. So he's going to come on and talk about that. But one of the things that hit me in my conversation with him this morning, which was shocking. And that is, you know, as an employer, you try to do the best you can to keep people on as long as you, you can, but the guidelines around uh, that are coming out of Washington around employment and contract people are so horrific that even somebody like me, if all in good intention, I try to establish something that will keep my folks in the loop so they clearly will have jobs, I might not be able to do that. I might run the risk of getting sued. And I'm just thinking to myself, I don't know who the people are that are making up these guidelines. I mean, if you and I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm not right? sure the people making the guidelines even understand the guidelines <laughs> that they're making. I, I mean, don't think they do, because on the one hand, they're trying to say, "Yeah, we want you to hire your people back." On the other hand, if you give people any work at all, as a matter of fact, I found out this morning 
that we either have to furlough people 100%, let them go, take away their emails because they can't have not one single contact with the company. I mean, this think about this. Or we yeah. can significantly reduce their time. Now, for us, we know that the best scenario is to bring people to part-time so they can do two things. One, they could apply for their own PPP. They may even be eligible to unemployment. And at the same time, I don't have to wipe them from the face of my company as if they didn't exist. I mean, and you know what? I'm on top of this more than others, but I found out this morning, I'm not going to get any PPP relief for any of my 1099 people. So here we are. What are we like four, eight weeks into this? I'm not sure. How, how long? I mean, you know, some people in, in Iowa think it's been like a week and people in Manhattan <laughs> think it's been about 12, you know, and it's, they Washington it's probably State? eight. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I think to your point, I mean, I have mm -hmm. a very close friend in Brooklyn who mm -hmm. owns um, two, two different types of, of uh, food service industries. One is a place where they've for 15 years sold cheese mm -hmm. and wine and, and mm -hmm. kind of those kinds of things. And the other is a straight up, you know, wine store. Yeah. And, you know, he had to close one of his stores because he had to make the choice right. that you're describing. And the choice yeah. was, you know, it, it turned out that the most economically feasible option was just to shut the whole thing down. And after 15 mm -hmm. years, close, close his business. And wow. that gave his employees the ability to file, for, for unemployment, yep. it, um, there was no like mid ground option for them. Yep. And, and, and I guess the hardest part for, you know, a law firm is a business, a cheese store is a business, a radio station and a yep. podcast can be businesses. You know, we, we are trying to balance all of us who own and run businesses, the need for our families broadly, including our employees and the people we work with on a daily basis and have real affection and love for with the needs of our families in the micro, which is our wives and our husbands and our kids and our putting food on the table. And these are decisions that 12 weeks ago, no matter where you live, no one was considering. I mean, nobody considered that, that the economy would shut down, that, that stores would have to close, that you would have to make decisions versus furloughs versus complete layoffs. Yeah. Um, the, the acronyms PPP, you know, the, these are things that weren't in our conscience. You know, yeah. we're talking a different language today than we were 12 weeks ago. And one of the beautiful things about it is it's where you find sort of the best in people and also the worst in people. But, you know, I, 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 I every night get online to look at all the different places in New York City where where people at 7 p.m. are hanging out their windows, banging on pots and pans and clapping and hooting and hollering for all the first, first response, you know, the first yep. responders and all the folks, because it gives me that same sense. And, and I'm a flaming liberal, but when George Bush went to ground zero <laughs> after nine 11, you know, yep. I remember getting a knot in my stomach and a lump in my throat and tearing up because of the fellowship I felt with yeah. so many strangers and with him in that moment. And so a lot of good will come of this and, it's just a shame that we're still in that part of the tunnel where there doesn't seem to be a light. Um, and I think as, as, as Americans and as a society, we need to be really careful and skeptical of the fringe individuals who try and tell us there's a light when no one else can really see it. 
because in times like this, we'll cling to any type of positive positivity and hope that we can, even if it's not supported by science. And, you know, I'm, I'd rather dig in and be in it for the long haul and know yeah. it and do the right thing than to try and sprint toward a finish line that doesn't really exist. Yeah. And I think what you're pointing to, and I know we got about three minutes left, but, I, but I'll tell you what you're pointing to that is really hung heavy on my mind and my colleagues' minds and my attorney's mind. And that is the government agencies that have dangled out a return to work in a heightened economy by a certain date. And I've watched that. And, you know, what happens with that is people don't go to the extraordinary length of seeking out loans and seeking out help because they're under the guise it's going to be over by May 1st. I mean, I was talking to a colleague of mine who basically heard a newscast by my governor talking about a May 5th date. And so he's like, well, wait a minute, I can hang on to that. I don't need to file. And I'm just thinking, wow, why would we put a date like that out to people knowing what we know and not give them the opportunity to take these actions that could literally provide them a lifeline. That to me is the immoral aspect of what I'm seeing. Does that make sense? I agree with you. And it's certainly one of the, the immoral aspects. I mean, we, mm -hmm. we sometimes when you dangle hope to folks, they lose sight of all the other things around them and they're just mm -hmm. focused on the thing being dangled. And this is a life and death situation, both in reality as well as metaphorically for people's livelihoods. And this, there's never been a time where people needed to be more aware of everything that's around them, 360 degrees, both physically as well as what's available to them from the government yeah. and what their responsibilities are to take advantage of those things. And when you shine a bright, bright light a little bit in the distance, it takes people's attention away from all the things around them that they need to focus on. And that's both a metaphor and the reality of our situation right now. So. Yeah. You know, people like you talking about it and, you know, folks who are trying to balance empathy, compassion and intelligence with how do I survive and how do I help the people I love and my neighbors survive? I think that ultimately most of us are good and people are good regardless of their party and affiliation and oh, yeah. financial situation. And I, and I think that the goodness in everybody is really coming out and we'll all get through this. But everyone from the top down needs to just remember that we really are all in this together. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. uh, you know, and honesty is going to is going to lead people far better and people will be more appreciative in the long run of the truth, no matter how hard it might be to, to taste versus false hope, which ultimately angers people when the false part of it comes to light. Yeah, no kidding. I studied the consequences of broken promises 10 years I wrote a, a body of research that won awards on psychological contract violation. And what you just talked about is the number one leading cause of mistrust, what you just talked about. Corey, can you please tell folks how they can find out more about you? And thank you for today. We will be having you back. Well, I'm so honored to have spent time with you. And to the extent anybody's so bored that they'd want to find me after hearing me talk for a few minutes, um, uh, I, no, I, I want to hear firm, you talk more. <laughs> <laughs> my, law firm, my law firm's website is uh, levylaw.com, L-E-V-Y-L-A-W.com. And I'm on Twitter at CMS1000. 
And you can also just Google search me, Corey Stern, C-O-R-E-Y-S-T-E-R-N. And anybody that's got a child that's ever been hurt, A, I'm sorry, and B, I've spent my professional career trying to take care of those people. So I'd love to help if I ever can. And if I can't, I'm always happy to send people to someone who I think could. All right. I love it, Corey, and I hope you will come back. We're going to take a short break. This is our COVID-19 update. We are taking your comments and your questions. Uh, 1-800-930-2819. We'll be right back. Hey, how's it going? If it's stressful or just plain exhausting, New Light Living is here to ask, is this the way you want to live? Join me, your intuitive spiritual life coach and host, Arika Sullivan, every week on New Light Living. Discover the power of creative tools to start living every day as your ideal dream day. See your life in the new light. To learn more, visit newlightliving.com. The truth is funny. Shift Happens with Colette Marie Steffen is excited to welcome Karen Benton as a monthly guest host. Tune in on the third Wednesday of each month at 8 a.m. Pacific time to regain confidence and trust in your capacity to create change in your life, your health, your family, and your well-being. Karen Benton is a mother, nurse practitioner, certified body talk practitioner, Franklin Method instructor, and owner of Limitless Living LLC. For more information about Karen, visit karenbenton.com. Your eternal purpose is calling out to you each and every day. Are you listening? Tune in to Dynamic Destiny Radio with Coach Pete Cafarcio every first and third Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Learn to be your authentic self and live the life that you were destined for. Learn practical tools to discover your purpose and conquer other fears that keep you stuck in a life of mediocrity. Learn more about Coach Pete by visiting PeteCoaching.com. Have you lost a loved one and would desperately love a sign to prove that they are okay? Here's a tip for you. Be curious. Keep an open mind about everything. The proof will come from the most unlikely places. The messages promise to challenge your current beliefs and what you've been taught. Accept and appreciate all, no matter where they come from. I'm Angie Corbett Kuiper. I would love for you to share your signs from beyond on my closed Facebook page, Beyond Grief. Did you know that all of the shows on the Transformation Radio Network are available as podcasts to stream or download? Really? Check us out. Go to transformationradio.fm. We have business shows, spiritual shows, energy healing shows, and pretty much everything in between. Something for everyone guaranteed to inspire, educate, and transform. We are transforming the world one listener at a time. Break your snooze button habits for good with the Soul Stretching Sisters on the I Am Power Hour with me, Terry J. Walker. And me, Dr. Pat, on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Pump up your spiritual muscle as we share stories. Aspire higher. And live a whole lot larger. To help you unleash your powered up. Pumped up. I am soul stretching success. Anything can happen when we take to the airways. And all things become possible during the I Am Power Hour. Hey, everybody, welcome back. It's so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. Hey, look, I want to just say to everybody, Jonathan is joining me. Jonathan Bell is joining me here again today. We're going to give everybody, this is our COVID-19, and I have to call it a good news segment, a good news update. And now, why would I call it a good news update? Here's why. The other day when Jonathan was on, 
you heard us talk about the fact that he is, he and folks, I guess, at his law firm, they are bringing information. He is on the forefront. How do I know that? Is because I got on Facebook, messaged him this morning, and we're going to tell you a little bit what I was messaging him. And he immediately reached out to help me and more importantly, connected me with somebody else. So when I say that beyond being a fantastic attorney representing labor law across the country, you know, he and what his colleagues are doing, mostly him, I think at this point, um, they are doing what Gina Rivera is doing for business of one people, connecting and providing information. So I don't know what I don't know. And today, Jonathan, I know even less than I thought I knew. How are you? How are you doing? <laughs> oh, did we lose Jonathan? Sounds like we did. Hmm. All right. We'll get him back. Yep. Um, but let me continue while we get him back. And hopefully, Olivia, I don't know what happened there. Um, so I reached out to Jonathan this morning, Benny. I was like... I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. So here's what happened. So I built a relationship with my bank regionally, right? I, I have my own regional consultant person, right? Because I did a bunch of interviews with the head of small businesses for my bank. Mm -hmm. And I, I've been working with them. And Banks were not taking applications up until about two weeks ago. They just weren't. In order for you to file for anything, you either did it online and then the portal wasn't working. Right. Or you had your PPP application, you printed it, and then, then you had to find like a local place and then bring your stuff there. But when I was getting ready to do this, my bank called me and said, oh, wait a minute, you can go online. So I went online. So what didn't I know? And this is something that Gina talked about the other day a little bit, but we didn't get into it. So everybody is hearing the news that for the first time in our history, that our government is going to take care of contract freelancer, otherwise known as 1099 folks. That's what the big announcement was. Uh, that is the biggest misrepresentation of the truth that I have heard in a really long time. And mm -hmm. what I mean by that is that, first of all, you're introducing people that were never eligible for something like unemployment for the first time. They are now in a place where they can, quote, apply. Mm -hmm. But then you apply. So the first thing that happens to you when you apply, you get rejected right out of the gate. That's number one. Then they send the company, me, the forms. So they say, we rejected your person. Do you want to make them stand by? And I'm like, of course, I want to make them stand by. We don't want anybody like to disappear. So you make them stand by. Then I find out this morning, because I'm talking to Jonathan, thank God for him, because I mean, I don't know how many potholes I'm stepping in. <laughs> and I know people, Benny, yeah. can you imagine what the rest of the, the, the self employed business of one people 
independent people are going through. Yeah. It's, so unreal. We, it's unreal. Oh, right it's, it's unreal. It's crazy. So then I find out, ready for this one? This mm-hmm. is the kicker. <laughs> if, you're, if you have to tell your people that they are potential like the furlough, right? they can't volunteer and work for your company. Hmm. Right. You could get in trouble. So you either got to fire them or reduce them to part-time. Yeah. So that's why we got Jonathan, Jonathan back yep. because this is new information. And man, I'll tell you, I, I don't know how he's got time to shower. Jonathan, welcome back. Dr. Pat, sorry about that. My power went out for some strange reason. So uh, you're I know. Rushing, you got it back on and here we are. How are yeah. you doing? Well, I, we may lose you again, but I got to kick it back to you if you can hear me. We don't know what we don't know. I'm finding stuff out today, and I am shocked. I don't even know what to advise my people. Yeah, so, so just going over some issues that we spoke about in the past, um, you know, I, I get that a lot. Uh, you know, some people, uh, the employees want to continue to work for their employer because they like their employer, they're treated well, and the employer sometimes is not in a position now, given the economy, to keep them on. They're saying, listen, I'll fall for unemployment, but don't worry about it. I'll continue to work for me, for you. I'll work from home. You know, I'll volunteer. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure that's going to happen a lot. I mean, the problem is, number one, if the, you know, you have to, the, the way you get unemployment is you tell them you're either not employed or you're working some type of limited part-time salary right. and you get paid less than a certain amount. Uh, but the bigger problem is, is that when you work and you provide value to your employer, the, uh, all the labor laws require the employer to pay the employee. So there could be an agreement. In, it's almost like minimum wage. Let's say you right. have minimum wage. An employee comes to you and says, listen, I understand you can't afford to pay minimum wage, but I'll, I'll, don't worry about it. I'll work for less. We have an agreement. I'll even enter into a contract. Well, guess what? That contract is not binding because that's why they have something called minimum wage. You can't pay below that amount. So now you're asking them, even if they agree to work for free, they can't work for free. I mean, can they do it? And if they have a close relationship, they'll just look the other way. They can, but you're opening yourself up to liability. Like, for example, in New York, statute of limitations goes back for six years. So let's say everything's great right now. You have a good working relationship. Like, don't worry about it. I won't sue you. Just, you know, you, you give me money when you can. Three years goes down the road, and now the employee, the employee doesn't like the employer that much, or they feel like they've been taking advantage of. Now the employer has to worry about a lawsuit of paying not only the back wages, but double damages, attorney's fees. You get it to a very expensive process. So, uh, you know, you know, beware if you're working out arrangements, having people work for less than minimum wage or no wage at all. Or if you're having the, you know, quote unquote, interns come in, right? Because that's, that's a big thing with the interns. You know, the days of, hey, Sally, go get me some coffee. Those days are over. Like, you can't do that. And in, the, the whole definition of the reason why in the correct uh, situation you don't have to pay an intern is they're there for the educational experience. Yeah. Uh, they can't add the employer value. If the employer is the one getting value, they have to be paid minimum wage. So I recommend my clients who want an intern, listen, Great, you want an intern, but do me a favor if you can, just pay the minimum wage. This way, you're avoiding even the potential that they're going to come back for a lawsuit. Yeah, in our cases, we've always employed interns because we've had relationships with the school, 
And, you know, they don't come in as serious audio producers, right? They come in barely even knowing what an operation like ours is, and they actually learn from us, but they have to be evaluated. There's a form that you fill out. They will get no credits if they don't success. I mean, it's like a course. It's like they have to take a course. And that's Uh, the way it should be. That's the correct way. The intern has to leave with the knowledge and experience, but the employer is not supposed to really gain anything from it. Now, now there's the law and there's reality. Of course, the employer is going to, you know, hey, do me a favor, run down it. But, you know, the, and the, intern, the intern normally appreciates it because they make connections that when their internship is over, whether it be with you or somebody else, they might be able to work. So oftentimes they don't do anything about it. We've all heard of those lawsuits. I think where we are is, and this is me now, and I'm I'm going to not talk to you as you're an attorney, right? I'm going to say some things in the reality of what's going on in the world. And you know you're going to reply back because you are an attorney. But the reality <laughs> is that people don't have access to somebody like you. And as a matter of fact, they're not even thinking about, am I going to get sued? They're thinking about, I got Mary, Bobby, Joey here that I want to be part of my team when this is over. They want to be part of our team. What are we going to do to make that work? And and I'm going to tell you that from my experience without naming any names, my friends and colleagues are doing what they can to keep that stability. So here's why for two reasons. One, when all is said and done, the worst the worst crisis to the economy of our country is going to be all the people filing for bankruptcy. All the employees that really are not going to have any jobs to come back to. I, I had a friend of mine that got changed from uh, standby, is it? Status change from standby to, you know what? You're, you're fired. Because in the scheme of things, we figured out how to do this without you. And, you know, the reality is that people are finding ways to make it work, whether it violates labor law or not. And I think that's the situation that's been created here. How do we address that when people are simply trying to survive here, Jonathan? It's tough. If if you asked me this a month or two months ago before (laughs) this whole pandemic, you know, uh, people... Uh, you know, businesses were surviving and doing well, and, yeah. and 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 you know, a lot of employers they don't want to deal with the HR problems on their own, but they're not big enough to have their in-house attorneys or HR people, and they would essentially pay a lawyer like me uh, a consulting fee. Yep. Essentially, what I would do is I would go over their handbooks, I would go over their employee contracts, I would consult with them as to how to properly hire and fire. I'd help them with the you know, these ADA accessibility lawsuits, if you're a place of public accommodation, having being wheelchair accessible, also your website, making your website. So they would come to me, they would, you know, we would put together some type of package for them. And then I would, I, I was there to make sure that they wouldn't get sued. And if they did, they have a very strong defense. That's what my company does. And we still do that. Okay. That's a big part of how I make my living is. Yeah. If you come to me now, you're going to be paying a fraction of the amount that you'd have to owe me in the future if you're being sued because you're doing so many things wrong. Yeah. You know, classification, 
independent contractor versus employee, all this kind of stuff they come to me for. And that's what I would do. Now um, I've transitioned because of what's going on. And I said, and I said on your show before, I'm giving out free advice on how to deal with this situation. And I'm giving out free advice, like I said, because it's just the right thing to do. I'm not going to sit there. And when a company is struggling to keep on employees and barely staying afloat, maybe, and then I'm going to say, okay, by the way, I'm going to charge you for my service. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to help you out. Most of the calls have been 15 to 20 minutes. And I'm getting a lot of Amazon gift cards because people feel like they want to do the right thing. So um, I've been doing that. Um, you know, and, and, and the consulting with, with someone like me is ongoing because of the fact that the laws are always changing. Like me, even me and you have had private conversations yeah. about PPP and everything else. Well, I'm, I'm here as a resource. I find it interesting. I, I, I'm staying up on the law. And because people know that when anybody hears anything, it seems to funnel through me. So they're helping me find some things and, uh, and we're getting through it. I think I, you know, even told you this morning, I'm one of the lucky few people that were approved for the PPP. I, I didn't expect yeah. it. I heard yesterday the money was running out. Today it was verified. The money's gone. I woke up this morning saying, okay, you know, we all thought we were going to get it. No one really thought we were at risk not to. It was almost like a promise. Yeah, it was a promise. Was, yeah, and then I surprised when I woke up and I saw an email from Chase at 3 in the morning saying, congratulations, you are approved. I consider myself very lucky. There was no rhyme or reason other than the fact that I happened to have a friend who worked in the bank. He was probably looking out for a little bit and maybe he pushed it along. Maybe he did. I don't, I don't know the answer as to why I got it. And most people did it. But I, I, what I hope is that the people who did apply that the government will come through on, on the promise. It's very important. It's important for the businesses. Uh, it's important for the unemployment numbers. Uh, you know, you're, everyone has to stay home pretty much. So you're kind of helping us bridge that gap. It's, they, they see the importance of it, but now they got to get to the table and work out the kinks. This is not the time to play partisan politics. You can't have the Republicans say, well, the Democrats are holding it up without showing the true story of, yeah, the Democrats are holding it up because people aren't having equal access. It's only the people who, like me, I happen to have a relationship with somebody at the bank that got it versus your everyday mom and pop pizza store on the corner who's dying to survive and they can't get access to it. That's not fair. So I, I agree that, that they got to kind of work out the kinks and get this for everybody. You know, what you're pointing out to is really significant. So let's play this through for a minute because you're right. So somebody sitting in Washington somehow thinks in their, their formula that, and, I, and I've been tweeting them and I've said, you people need to go online and try to file this for yourself. You need to go online and try to answer that question that says, you know, are you an owner or are you a, I mean, it's a ridiculous question. If you answer yes, then you got to fill out the information again. Then it sounds like you're not really owning your company, that somebody else is owning it. So second time around, I said, no, I'm the one, that's it. Then you get to a box that says, Oh, are you an owner or are you something? And you have to check both boxes. And this is me, mom and pop. Number one, your accountant is not available to help you right now. Accountants are trying to get taxes done. They are affected by COVID-19. My accountant was down to two people, right? So here we are now. I was told this morning by a friend of mine, so maybe you can comment, 
that I shouldn't be helping my employees try to figure out what to do. And I looked at him and I said, what are you talking about? He said, Pat, I'm telling you, what you tell your employees, if you give them the wrong advice, you will be in trouble. So he's telling me, you got to tell your employees to go to this website, look it up, find out what you're eligible for, go to this website, look it up. Here's what I'm going to say about you. I have the obligation to tell them that. Here's what I'm going to say. You're reduced now to five hours a week. I'm going to say that, right? Whatever that is. But I'm not used to operating like that, Jonathan. I'm used to operating it like helping people right. and not worried about if I'm going to violate some labor law or get sued. Yeah, I, I, I don't see any lawsuits like that. I, I, I'm the type of person, too, that I, I have my staff. To me, uh, I make them feel like it's a family because they are family. Uh, the way that I run my business is I feel like work, I work for them, not that they work for me. And if there's any way that I can help them, I'm going to help them. Uh, you're, not a, you're not an attorney. You're not giving legal advice. You're giving what you think is right, and you're being honest. So I would continue to do that. I can't imagine any lawsuit being filed against you because you gave them your opinion on how to do something and you might have been wrong. I just don't see it. I mean, you know, the, the typical lawsuits, you know, involve, you know, not paying people properly who are working overtime, not giving them time yeah. and a half or some type yeah. of, you know, discriminating against someone, sexual harassment. Those are where the, where, where, where the cases are. And what people, the employees who have to be more concerned are, are, are the ones who are, when, when an employee comes back and says, listen, I, 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 I uh, tested positive for COVID-19, you got to do the right things in the law in those situations as far as the paid sick leave. You can't just turn around and fire them unless if you're firing everybody because your business is closing, then you can fire them. So it's still an important time uh, in certain issues to be contacting a labor uh, attorney. And, uh, you know, you want to, you know, you want to contact someone who, who knows what they're doing is, and reading the new laws every day. I mean, that's really the key because Something and, and when I when I whenever I advise a client, I say, "Listen, I'm advising you today," and I give them the date. That doesn't mean that things are not going to change tomorrow exactly. or the next day. So you know, keep keep me on speed dial, and if I think of it, I'll try to contact you too if it affects my advice from the day or two before. It's just like these PPP loans when they first came out, what they were supposed to be. You're just constantly hearing about changes, and is this is this a? I mean, first they were saying that. Even when you apply for the loan, you could consider your rent and utilities and independent yeah, yeah. contractors. And then it seems to like kind of like change as things goes on, and and uh, and then you kind of learn what the truth is. But now, you know what it is is they, they strictly give you the number based on your payroll. That's it. And then the forgiveness part, you could then pay your rent and utilities as long as it's uh, less than twenty five percent of how you use that money within the eight weeks time. Well, and, you know, let's make sure people have your information because Jessica and I this morning woke up amidst whatever it is, running out of money, New York Times, you know, all of the news. But we came to a thing we're going to do. But before we do that, how do people find out about you? How do they get access to you? Okay, the, the best thing is to go on my Facebook page where I'm constantly putting up new videos about new and changing law. That's my free advice to everybody, for everyone to know. It's a perfect place to start. Uh, as far as contacting me, you could always call me on my phone, which is 855-JOHN-BELL, J-O-N-B-E-L-L, or shoot me an email. Uh, it's on the website or through, or, or, or through Facebook, how we've been communicating. The great thing about social media is that there's a hundred ways, and I check them all. They always come to my phone, and I, 
I try to respond to everybody. If I don't respond after a day, hit me up again. I'm not purposely ignoring you. It's just a lot of people are, are, are taking advantage of it. I'm, I'm glad they are, but I'm only one person. I, <laughs> I know, I know. I so appreciate you. Look, I want to ask you one last question. Looking ahead a little bit, I know not a lot, a little, what should people be most mindful of to look, be on the lookout for? So if you're small business and you're, and you're getting frustrated now because they're not even taking applications for these PPP loans, that's the big one in my mind. Uh, it, it, it is for, for, for whether it be for yourself, because you can get money for yourself, uh, you know, up to the average of the 100,000. Like if you make over $100,000 and you're self-employed, you'll get about $20,000 in this loan that could change to a grant. So that's needed money. Uh, uh, for somebody who's self-employed. So that's what you want to look for. For people who, who have, we, we, I've been getting a lot of calls, John, I've been trying to file for unemployment, trying, trying, trying. What should I do? My answer is keep trying. Just patience yeah. and persistence and eventually you'll get through and eventually you'll get the money. Um, uh, that's, you know, that, that's as much as I could say for the people who are now unemployed. And, um, you know, ultimately I think that, you know, Things will get better and things will have to get better. Just uh, keep motivated, keep, keep being positive and, and, uh, and, and focus on the fact that this is just one small chapter of an entire life and everybody's in the same boat as you. So when you're, when you're scared and you can't pay your mortgage or your rent or your car, everybody's feeling that pain. So, so in that group together, you know, when you come together and you realize that you're not the only one and you find some strength in that. Absolutely. Thank you, Jonathan. We'll be hearing more from you. Thank you for the update. And again, thank you for all you're doing. Terrific. Thanks for having me on. And for those of you out there, uh, Jessica and I did come up with an initiative. We're literally going to fast track our crowdfunding effort that we were going to do anyway for our technology. So we are going to pull out all the stops on what we can offer to people and how you can support us. Thank you all very much. We'll see you next time.